seen Smart House. My grandma had rented it from Blockbuster, so I saw <laughs> Smart House when I was probably like 10. And I saw High School Musical in the peak of its popularity. And so right. that was it. And so um, I had a great time over the last year <laughs> catching up on as many decoms as I could. And honestly, I was really impressed with the quality of all of these things. And they were very enjoyable for me to watch. And honestly, I think I'm going to kind of have a little bit of an interesting perspective on this bracket because I don't really have that nostalgia value for any of these movies, even the ones I did see previously i wasn't like obsessed with so um i'm excited to to dive into it and do some textual analysis and all that stuff but before we get any further we got to talk spoonfuls of sugar guys of course kyle what are you sipping on so i'm uh not going with the hard alcohol chris to be quite honest i'm still recovering from the pirates episodes (laughs) i'm still recovering from the rum so i went with an IPA from Ten Barrel Brewing Company. It's the Apocalypse IPA, and it's very refreshing after a lot of being outside covering baseball. So, I'm enjoying this one. What are you? What's your spoonful of sugar this week? I also went with a beer. I went with a New England style pale ale. This one is called TV Party. And oh. I chose it because it's got these pictures of these little dudes with TVs <laughs> for heads. And that's what I felt like after watching all of these decoms for the last year. My head is a TV and I'm ready to like read a book or something because um, the amount of Disney Channel original movie knowledge that is inside my headspace right now is like unbearable. I cannot contain it. <laughs> Elizabeth, what do you have? So it's a little bit late here on the East Coast for me, but I had some uh, beach juice rosé earlier. It's rosé in a can. Highly recommend. Oh, the canned rosés. Those are, you know, I'd I'd love to see the hard seltzers out and the canned rosés in (laughs) for the the rest of this summer or whenever we can get back outside. I think uh, that's, that's what I'm calling. I'm in. All right. So for this round of 16, you knew we had to choose a demographic. And so we went into the Disney Facebook groups once again, and we found people who did not want to pay the $30 upcharge for the new Mulan movie when it comes out. And they were vocal about it. So we had the interns reach out to those people, say, hey, we're, we're doing a bracket for best Disney Channel original movie. Can you hit us with your best 16? Chris, there were a ton of responses but we narrowed it down to 16 so uh you already know some missed the dance what's a few for you yeah there are a lot of these and i found that they were all very very equal in terms of quality and enjoyability there wasn't a whole lot of like this one's clearly terrible or this one's clearly better than the rest so um i think everyone's going to kind of have their own favorite here One of them that missed the dance for me is Lemonade Mouth. This is one that I know is very popular in the Disney fandom. I, that is probably one where I'm like, this movie is absolutely terrible. This is like (laughs) the worst of the worst when it comes to DCOMs, when it comes to music type movies. It was just so, so bad. Miracle in Lane 2. Hmm. is one that I personally really enjoyed. That might be my favorite decom up wow. until this point. 
very heavy though. Lots of like heavy stuff in there, and but, like that's the kind of stuff I enjoy. But when you think about like decoms, you think of stuff that's very fun, very easy to digest, and uh, I can see why Miracle in Lane Two would make this bracket. Frankie Muniz is great in that. Uh, the third third one for me that I really enjoyed that didn't make it, Motocrossed, I oh, thought yeah. was a great very movie. fun movie. Uh, Shakespearean, got some Twelfth Night in it, got some She's the Man in it. And it was filmed in my hometown. And I didn't know oh. that until I saw it on screen. I was like, that's Ramona. I, <laughs> I know that mountain. I know that dirt bike track. That is my hometown. And that just made me enjoy it even more. It was already a great movie, and it had some little bonus value for me. Kyle, what what are some that you noticed that missed the dance? For me, uh, the first one is Alley Cat Strike. Loved that movie growing up. Uh, I Every time I bowl, I think about it every <laughs> single time. Uh, oh, wow. Deeply ingrained in my psyche. Uh, great bowling movie. Very, or, or very late 90s. It's just, it's silly. It's The jokes are awful, and I love it so much. Uh, the other one is Twitches. Uh, the twin witches, Tia and Tamara Maui. I mean, you put those two in a movie and, and you have gold, and that's what Twitches was. And the uh, final one for me is The 13th Year. And it's this super bizarro movie about this kid turning 13 and like becoming a mermaid, merman. And like, let me tell you, I haven't seen it since probably it came <laughs> out, but it has obviously made a very lasting impression on my life. So I feel like. If that one had made the bracket, I would have fallen in love with it all over again. Elizabeth, you've seen the bracket. What are a few of yours that you feel missed the dance? Yeah, you guys mentioned a couple of mine. Um, another one for me was Up, Up, and Away, the mm. superhero family who yes. their superpowers go away with tinfoil um, when they get near tinfoil. Just <laughs> an incredible, silly, <laughs> hilarious movie. Um uh, another one was for me, uh, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Yep. Just kind of classic. in that classic decom vein, like the Phantom of the Megaplex, kind of similar vibes. Um, and then, let's see. There are so many. There are just so many good ones. Um, but I think I, uh, I'm i going to go with Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off as my oh. last Miss the Dance. Which that one was is just so weird. So it doesn't make any sense. Like he wants to cook, but his dad wants him to play baseball. But it is just so fun, and the like he's like a young Bobby Flay in there in his cooking competition. Salt Bay, it's Salt Bay, Eddie. So good. Um, and then I have a an honorable mention, oh. which I thought this was a decom my whole life, but upon research it's actually an abc channel original movie is my date with the president's daughter yes yep so. absolutely those are those are all great miss the dances and we could probably go on and on but chris it is about time to announce this bracket of 16 for the best disney channel original movie cue the dramatic music let's get it Will this top seed break free to the finals? Coming in at number one, High School Musical. You know the urchin's motto, go big or go home. Coming in at number two seed, it's Johnny Tsunami. Can evil live at the end of this bracket? At number three, it's Disney's Descendants. Slam Dunk the Funk. Coming in at number four, it is Smart House. This decom classic may need to take the outside, grinding into the number five spot, Brink, 
Here at number six, a movie that you could really watch at any time of the year, it's Halloween Town. Do you even Joe bro? Coming in at number seven, Camp Rock. Stepping her way into the number eight seed, it is Cadet Kelly. Will this decomp ink out and supernova? Zoom, zoom, zooming into the nine spot, Xenon girl of the 21st century. Here at the number 10 seed, they're sisters. They stay together. It's the Cheetah Girls. Coming in at number 11, Under Wraps. The movie that made me realize my name is a white name. Coming in at number 12, it is Luck of the Irish. Saddle up. Riding into the 13 spot, Horse Sense. What do you get when bikers and surfers mix up? It's the number 14 seed, Teen Beach Movie. All work and no play makes Pete a dull boy. At the number 15 spot, Phantom of the Megaplex. And coming in at number 16, Lindsay Lohan stars in her most iconic role of all time. It's Get a Clue. All right, Elizabeth, here are 16 movies, 16 decoms. Any early favorites for you? Uh, you and I have talked a little bit about how Horse Sense is one of my uh, sleepers here. Uh -huh. um, Brink is just a really strong contender all around. Um, sure. Probably one of my favorite decoms. But, you know, there's some. I think there's some sneaky low seeds, some high seeds that might be a little too high, too, ranked a little too high. So uh, we'll see. All right, here we go. We're going to start off with the number one high school musical versus number 16, Get a Clue. Uh, starting with Get a Clue really quick. Uh, Lindsay Lohan is like 13 years old. She wants to be a journalist just like her dad. She's an investigative reporter in high school. Air quotes for that one because she's really a gossip columnist. She outs her teachers for having a relationship, which just about ruins their lives. And then one of the teachers go missing and you're like, oh, like, did my dude just, like, kill himself? Like, because she just broke this news? Like, not great, not great. But then you find out that, no, Homeboy was just, like, in the middle of an embezzlement issue, and he was hiding from the folks that were trying to find him, uh, and he was just being framed the entire time. Like, this movie went all over the place, all over the place. Um, like I said, you got Lindsay Lohan, you got Brenda Song, another Disney Channel personality, veteran. She she really is known for her work on Disney Channel. It's up against High School Musical, which I think is a number one seed for a reason. Like this is this was a powerhouse of an entity when it first came out. Like everyone was talking about it, everyone watched it, everyone knew the songs. Tons of slaps, Chris. Like, I'm, a, I'm fine with admitting it. Tons of slaps on the High School Musical soundtrack. Oh, yeah. And it's, and there's, like, so much so that they, they're all earworms. All of them. You watch the movie once, and then you have, like, bop to the top in your head, and you're like, come on now. <laughs> why that one? <laughs> why, why is it bop to the top every time? Um, uh, fun fact, I worked in A's game in which I posted exclusively high school musical quotes to the A's Instagram uh, just because and it was <laughs> and it was all the earworms and it makes for great content in baseball apparently so Chris uh, I just think get a clues to all over the place not to say that 
High School Musical is locked up and pretty, but in this matchup, High School Musical is moving on. It's the stronger, stronger movie here. I want to see a mashup. Sharpay and Ryan bop to the top and da baby bop. <laughs> and it needs some <laughs> with some bop to the top in it. I 100% agree, oh, Kyle. High School Musical is drink iconic. You can't say that about a whole lot of these Disney Channel original movies. No. But High School Musical mm-hmm. absolutely is one that is the first out of many people's mouths when you talk about this genre. Get a clue? I had a lot of problems with this movie. Uh, I'll talk briefly about it, I guess. But before I do, I've got some trivia. Get a Clue premiered in 2002. They ran a survey in 2005 to rank your favorite Disney Channel original movie. So you had about seven years of DCOMs at this point. Cheetah Girls was number one, and Get a Clue was number two. So this is a film that is held in high regard for a lot of people when it comes to DCOMs. Jack Downey is the love interest from Brooklyn in this movie, played by Bug Hall, who is famous for playing Alfalfa in the Little Rascals movie. Yep. Uh, you mentioned Brenda Song. A lot of people don't realize Brenda Song has been partners with Macaulay Culkin since 2017. The Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. Wow. So a lot of these movies have a lot of nostalgia value for people. Me personally, I think you all know, and listeners of this podcast know, that I am not a huge nostalgia person. The 90s bias is not strong with me. And no. particularly, I don't have really any decom bias. I don't even really have any like longingness towards the early 2000s. Like, oh, I miss those times so much. I, I really, for the most part, do not care. This movie has a lot of early 2000s stuff in it. And it gets to be a little bit annoying for me. Like... When the movie first starts out, they're like on the webcam thing and they're like answering their phones. And I think there's a pager at some point in the mix. Yep. It just, Mm -hmm. it feels dated in a bad way. I don't know if that's possible, but um, whenever you bring in technology into a movie, you're automatically setting yourself up for the movie being dated. But here's something that's really interesting to me. The movie where the kid clones himself, which one's that called? The other me. The other me, there's that shot where he is holding the binoculars up with yeah, himself. And they do the Yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. like clearly <laughs> two different sets of arms. It's, yeah, it's so like bad. One arm comes up from like his chest to hold it. So so many of those like terrible continuity errors or just like general things you might not normally see in a movie. I attribute to the fact that when these movies were being produced, people probably could not comprehend the idea that we can watch all of these movies whenever we want in high definition, in detail, pause each frame. It was like people watch this one time and it's gone. Yep. So I'm not going to knock these like, oh, it's it feels dated. Like, of course it feels dated. It's a decomp. It's a TV movie. Like TV movies are, yeah. are, are meant to be enjoyed in the moment. You mentioned the spy thing going down. This is not a common storyline for children's or family movies, like a kid getting deep into like a, a high-profile crime, <laughs> like <laughs> potential, <laughs> potential like Bob implications. Uh, but I guess if a child is watching this movie, they might be like, "Oh, that's cool! Like, I wish I could be a spy 
and go on right. a crazy fun adventure. So, like, I appreciate viewing that movie from that angle. Me as a man who's almost 30 and is like, this movie doesn't, you can't relate <laughs> to this movie at all. Like, of course not. Of course not. Um, the spy shop, I thought, is a pretty creepy concept. I was, they were like, yeah, let's go down to the spy yes. shop. I'm like, okay, so who shops at the spy shop and mm-hmm. why do they shop at the spy shop? Yeah. Um, yep. Glad those are not real things. There is a song. The theme song is Get a Clue, which was not written for the movie. It was just a song written by a band named Prozac. And they changed <laughs> the name of the band for the movie so that kids wouldn't look at the credits and be like, Mommy, what's Prozac? They changed the name to Simon and Milo, I think, who were like the writers of yeah. the song. Another thing I really didn't understand about Get a Clue is the homeless, the undercover homeless guy. Um, that felt really like uh, a mayor candidate or like, and he does this weird speech. That's like this coat is just a coat to some people, but to me, it's my home or something like that. Right, and yeah. Lindsay Lohan's watching it and she's like, wow. I'm like, that was really weak and felt super <laughs> unnecessary. And I wish they had done a moment. Remember when her bracelet gets caught on like the water pipe? I wish yep. that Jack mm-hmm. Downey would have cut her bracelet and she would be like, no, 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 this is a Cartier, like $6,000, mm-hmm. like pop, cut the bracelet. That would have been so much better. And I think more like fitting with the character as opposed sure. to like the random mm-hmm. undercover congressman. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like you said, all of these movies kind of have good morals, good themes. I think this one's theme was things aren't always what they appear to be. Don't always judge a book by yep. its cover. Like, don't make judgments mm-hmm. just by looking at a picture of something. There's a lot going on. Uh, so I do like that. Yep. But High School Musical is a heavyweight. This is just a long way for me of saying High School Musical is advancing here. <laughs> Elizabeth, do you have anything <laughs> to say about Get a Clue? Um, I think I agree with your guys' decision. I love Get a Clue. I think it's – I loved it so much when it first came out. Um, it also just – as a kid of the suburbs, New York City teens are terrifying. Like the, like I, you know, the way they live their lives, and the parents are never around. They're running around the city chasing like potential murderers. Like, right. just it's just a terrifying experience. Great. Well, speaking of New York teens, <laughs> that segues us well into the next matchup, yeah. <laughs> which is number eight, Cadet Kelly versus number nine, Xenon, Girl of the Twenty First Century. So, Cadet Kelly is about a young girl who is a New Yorker, I assume, like, of the same class, I guess, as Lindsay Lohan's character in Get a Clue. The mm-hmm. thing is, I felt like Kelly was much more relatable because her New Yorker manifests itself as, like, free spirit, uninhibited, willing to do anything, go anywhere, wear anything, express myself. And Lindsay Lohan's in Get a Clue is kind of like, just like rich. (laughs) And like, as you know, (laughs) there are millions and millions and millions of New Yorkers and not a lot of them are rich, but most of them are just like Kelly. They're very free thinking people that are willing to stand up for what they believe in and voice their opinions and all that good stuff. So even though Kelly may come from a different social class as I do or a viewer of this movie might have, I find her character to be much more relatable. You know that meme where it's the football player and he's like, 
They had us in the first half, not going to lie. <laughs> that was my viewing experience of Cadet Kelly because <laughs> yes, I was like, why are we watching this story about a girl going to military school? It feels a little bit too intense. I feel like there's going to be some anti-military stuff in here that I just don't, <laughs> I think it's a little bit too much for a decom. But this is not a military school movie. This is a drill team movie. And that is what yes, I love about Cadet Kelly. All of the early DCOMs, they like revolve around a sport or an activity and you can just you can just marathon these and there's a different weird obscure activity they're doing <laughs> and like drill team is what Cadet Kelly is and it's <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's a way to like learn about something maybe you don't have a whole lot of appreciation for. Hilary Duff stars in this. Obviously, we know her from Lizzie McGuire, Christy Carlson Romano, famous for Even Stevens. But the man who steals this movie for me, Gary Cole, who we know <laughs> as Ted Jones in Pineapple Express, Reese Bobby yep. in Talladega Nights, Cotton McKnight in Dodgeball, and of course, Lumberg in Office Space. And I think he's just a great like dad character, and he's a legitimate actor i mean so many of these movies just have like mm -hmm. disney stars like this is a real actor in this movie yeah. so i really appreciated that i think cadet kelly is a very good movie i i think the character is set up well the situation is great a lot of these decoms have this fish out of water element going on where it's like someone is plucked from where they came from put in somewhere new the new environment rubs off on them they rub off on the environment and everyone's happy and that's exactly how it plays out in Cadet Kelly. And it's, it's very satisfying. Kelly is someone who's a free spirit who needs control. The military friends that she meets at the academy are people that could use some creativity in your life. And all that stuff plays out beautifully. The best part about it, though, is that when Kelly finally gets that, like, discipline in her life, it's not from the drill team. It's from her rescuing her biological father by rappelling right. down the mountain. And I really did not want that drill team victory to be how she like finishes that arc. And I was like, yes, this is so much better of a character moment. You get the yes. relationship mm -hmm. with the stepfather. You get the relationship between the stepfather and the biological father. You get a little arc on Gary Cole's father character. It's just a, yeah. it's just a really solid movie, you know? Uh, Xenon. Yeah. Unfortunately for Xenon, I caught Xenon after watching Get a Clue and then Cadet Kelly and then Xenon. So I was like 12-year-old girl out at that point. <laughs> so yes, yes. She was talking at like 100 miles per hour throughout the whole movie. <laughs> and I appreciate how they developed this like future language for Xenon and all of her friends. Cetus Lapidus. Mm -hmm. Things are gaseous. I liked that she was mm -hmm. like... Major and minor. Major and minor. Mm -hmm. The the friends are like... Actually, I think it's the Earth friends. They're like, yo, that outfit's viral. Like, it's a bad thing. It's like, well, like it's if you only knew <laughs> 30 yeah. years later. It was that being a bad thing. And then the good thing was graphic. And now yeah. graphic is a bad thing. I have so many ridiculous moments written down for so many of these DCOMs. These first three movies we talked about didn't have a whole lot, but Xenon has a bunch of just like, all, all I don't know what it. they were thinking here. 
<laughs> the whole, yeah, all basically of all of it. Uh, my my favorite part though, I think, is when they rode the horse to the water, and she's like, "I've never seen an ocean." And like ten minutes ago, we literally saw her landing on a spaceship <laughs> on the waterfront. Uh, this movie takes place in 2049, guys. It's coming up. We're almost there. We're I almost know. there. It's coming up quick. I love the kids. The 2049 kids, I guess the hairstyle and the clothes styles came back around because (laughs) they're dressed like they were, like in the early 2000s. Um, Ultimately, the failure for me for Xenon is that it feels like two movies. I would have loved to see a movie about a girl on a spaceship. I would have loved to see a movie about a girl from space adjusting to life on Earth. But what we get is kind of caught somewhere in the middle. So... I just don't see a whole lot of growth on the character Xenon's part. And I just lost interest like halfway through the movie. It started picking up a little for me when she got down to earth, but then I was like, Oh wait, the movie's already halfway over and we're going back up to space in a second. So um, it ended up being kind of overly complicated for me plot wise, a little bit frustrating. So um, I'm going with cadet Kelly. Here's my, uh, I have three moments that I want to talk about in Xenon. Number one, why is it so easy for these teenagers to like go on a spacewalk? <laughs> the weirdest was, part, probably. It, They're just like, it Whoa. was so easy. And the thing about DCOMs, and I'm going to continue to bring this up. You already mentioned one of them, continuity. Every movie has continuity errors. Every single one. Number two is that the shots are often way too long and that happens in that spacewalk part where she like you see her like rotate (laughs) for like 20 seconds one shot of her just rotating like cut cut back to the people like it was too easy number two how'd she paint a disc with rainbow nail polish to make it look like a disc and then when the dude put it into the computer, it actually had like a, a meme in it. And three, if they were trying to figure out how to get the bug out of the computer, who programmed this fake nail polish disc to also be carrying Xenon as a jack in the box? It was just like, we're doing too much. We're doing too much. Um, so. And also, Chris, the space language got so old. Zetus Lupitas, if I had to hear that one more time, it ramped up. Yep. Like towards the end, they just kept saying it. So uh, for me, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Chris. Xenon's uh, definitely not moving on. We're, we're going with Cadet Kelly. Elizabeth, your thoughts? I think that's, that's a fair assessment of both of those i think that xenon has a really strong uh secondary character in protozoa though the um pop star and i really think that he shines in the xenon second movie the the sequel Mm. xenon the sequel um (laughs) i did he's just an outstanding character um he's you only get a little bit of him in that first one but he's just so good i am triggered by the word zoom just because of the amount of zooming that happens for yes. all of us now. Mm-hmm. So when he's like, zoom, 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 I'm like, no zoom. <laughs> I don't want to zoom. The uh, the song in Cadet Kelly is really good too. When they're like doing the drill thing, it's like, uh, 
No, I can't oh, think of it, but it's yeah. so, that, well, yeah, when she's like dancing and stuff. They're doing the rhythmic really gymnastics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cadet Kelly's moving on, and we are ready to talk about number four, Smart House versus number 13, Horse Sense. Here, uh, Elizabeth alluded to it earlier on. These are two movies, specifically Horse Sense, that has some sort of like nostalgic value to the both of us. Um, Smart House is probably a little bit stronger with me um, than Horse Sense was, but I had a really like warm feeling about Horse Sense when I saw it on the bracket. Like, wow, I remember this movie a lot and I remember liking it a lot. Um, upon rewatching, I don't like this movie at all, guys. <laughs> I don't like Horse Sense. I'm I'm out on Horse Sense. Uh, I for whatever reason I thought that they spent a lot more time in L.A. than they did. But they got to Montana pretty quick. I mean, he, it's understandable. I think that's on purpose. You want this two-week-long trip to feel short because uh, our main protagonist is being ignored by his older cousin. Tammy. Um, Tammy. <laughs> Tammy. Uh, I would like to introduce everybody to the Lawrence Brothers. First appearance in this podcast. Uh, they are in many, 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 many DCOMs uh, <laughs> over the course of history. Uh, they play cousins in this one. Once they get to Montana and Michael leaves for the first time, it it felt like we didn't need to like go back to Montana. I almost felt like the lessons, let's learn the lesson. Um, maybe he just donates the money from LA, makes that happen. But we had to go back to Montana. We had to go through the auction scene. We had to like go through the horse rescue like that took way too long. The last 15 minutes felt like 40 to me. I didn't like how they made us like hate the girlfriend like we didn't need the girlfriend to be like rude and not understanding to for Michael to just be an awful person yeah like Mm -hmm. it felt like they were like placing some blame on her so like for as and I'll probably continue to bring this up for as woke as like these decoms tend to get especially in the 16 that was one that I was like I, I'm not I'm not liking that too much you we don't need that I really wanted to get to know the ranch hands a little bit more uh, the, because the really rude guy sorry I'm not gonna have any names on this his name the, was twister twister <laughs> I wanted him to just like go off all the time because I think like him just being like this rude old man would be great the lesson is obviously selflessness learn to put others before you and and take care of family family's huge in this movie but it just didn't hold up like i thought it would smart house on the other hand was so fun guys (laughs) the technology didn't hold up i don't expect it to the effects which i thought were so awesome were not at all really bad really 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 bad bad. Mm -hmm. growing up i really wanted a house like this i really wanted like Something where I can be like, muffins, please. And like muffins would rise out of the counter. Like that, I would be so stoked if I had that. The garbage pickup after the kids throw the party and the garbage is just able to be like sucked up into the house. Every kid's dream, right? You're growing up and somebody tells you to pick something up. Imagine if you could just hit a button and just get sucked away. Never have to deal with it ever again. Slam Dunk the Funk. We got to talk about it. We got (laughs) to talk about Slam Dunk the Funk. This song... It, it was a jam. It sounded very in sync, but it was actually by a group called Five. 
which yes, there were five <laughs> dudes in it. It we got to see a little classic decom dance breakdown. We're gonna see a lot of those, especially in these early nineties or late nineties, early two thousands movies where they just need we need to have a dance number, like a sequence in this movie that's not a musical. And every single time it's awful. It's just it's so <laughs> cringy to watch now as adults to watch these kids do these dumb dances. But at the time I was so hyped. I was so hyped. I was like, oh man, I got to teach all my friends this. We got to get down with the slam dunk, the funk here. Uh, I think it's, I, I'm i a huge fan of Twilight Zone. And this is a very, very typical Twilight Zone story. It is technology that is there to help that goes too far and actually endangers those it's supposed to help. I really like how we got to see like a manifestation of this technology in Pat um the like hologram version of her when she evolves to a certain state and becomes actually a, like a human form because i think that's even scarier like technology evolved so much that now now it's it's human like that's terrifying so that adds a little bit of of scariness and and disconcerting to this but i think that the the like storm scene in it for whatever reason just gave me so much anxiety even watching now as like just it's just so chaotic and so much is happening and you're just like how would they even what would i do if i was in that house not stand up to this supercomputer i'll tell you that i'd be terrified i think that while this one isn't so much of like message heavy uh like horse sense is I was way more engaged in Smart House than I was in Horse Sense. I've got a lot more out of uh, Smart House from an entertainment level, from a pure like this is corny decom, and I enjoy corny decom, you know. So I'm uh, I'm advancing Smart House over Horse Sense. Kyle, I'm really glad you brought up the Twilight Zone because I was also thinking about the Twilight Zone when I watched Smart House. I'd also seeing the evolution of these decoms i think is seeing the evolution of the cultural interests of the time and so so many of these 90s ones are like action sports and sci-fi and so many of the 2000 ones are like musicals and dancing mm -hmm. and that is a reflection of what children today enjoy and so and of the time, we were entering a new millennium and people were like afraid that once that clock hit 2000, like technology was taking over. And so like, I think that's also part of this movie uh, being from that era is like people were already a little sketched out about technology. And who does Disney tap to direct this movie? The incomparable LeVar Burton who you should know from reading Rainbow, but who I know as Jordy LaForge from Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> so LeVar Burton had directed two episodes of The Next Generation, a Tiger Woods TV movie, and 10 episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine before Smart House. So this was really like his biggest gig to date. Wow. And I think he mostly handled it pretty well for like what it was. 
he had been on the set of an incredibly popular science fiction television serial. So I, I think I just think that's a really fun fact. Uh, and and Lavar Burton did not go on to direct a whole lot of stuff. So this is a this is a special <laughs> credit. Um, like you said, the idea of the smart house is kind of reality. It's not really fantasy anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, watching this movie now, I wasn't like you said blown away by all of this stuff. Yeah, that boy band choreo, that just, <laughs> I mean, it just comes out of nowhere is the thing. It's like, <laughs> what's up, bro? Like, oh, what's up, dude? What you doing? Oh, what should we do now? Mm-hmm. Was that not mm-hmm. how you guys were as like 13-year-olds? <laughs> I honestly did I, not do that. <laughs> it's how I wish I was after watching that movie. The thing that I appreciate about Smart House is that it deals with some of the heavier stuff. Like, you know, I said I like Miracle in Lane 2. I like that Smart House deals with... Uh, the death of a parent and letting go and embracing someone new in your life while not necessarily forgetting the person that left you. And it's also, like you said, technology replacing humanity. And that, that still rings true today. Like is doing what we're doing right now, zooming, FaceTiming each other. Is that the same as sitting together in person, having genuine FaceTime? So just something to think about horse sense. Man, horse sense. <laughs> I have so much to say about this movie. I'm glad you didn't like it, Kyle, because I enjoyed it thoroughly. Oh. And I enjoyed it in a in a decom way. Not in like a Chris Bauer socks, like this is a great <laughs> film way. In like a this is what I signed up for when I signed up for this bracket. My first note comes at the very beginning when there's a rollerblader that goes across the street and Tommy's sitting in the front seat and he like makes eye contact with this girl and you never see her again. But I swear, I swear it's Hayden Penetieri. I swear it's her. I can't find it at all on the internet, but I swear it's her. You get a little, you get a little uh, Easter egg when they turn on Brink, when they get to Michael's house. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, like you said, they're in LA for a while. Tommy has a bad time. And this is the best part of the movie to me. We talk a lot on this show about how we don't like montages. This movie has two incredible montages, and one of them is Sad Tommy at the mansion. And the music's like, doo, doo, boo, boo, boo. And he's just like, got a little motorboat in the pool. Playing soccer ball, playing with the soccer ball by himself, just like kicking. He's like hanging out with the housekeeper. He's teaching her how to like lasso a statue. So, so good. Montage is not supposed to shortcut plot. It's supposed to, like, condense time. And, like, two weeks is a sad vacation. We got to see all we needed to. Then they decide to go to Disneyland. <laughs> and here's the issue I have with that. They leave. I, it's got to be one in the afternoon when they decide to go to Disneyland. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. They're driving from, like, probably Beverly Hills yep. to Orange County in the afternoon. You guys will be lucky if you make it. <laughs> By like the parade. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Like, yeah, that gave me anxiety when I saw it. Like, Michael, you are so dumb. <laughs> you missed the window to go to Disneyland like five <laughs> hours ago. Absolutely toast. Yeah. Another great montage when they do get to the farm, the poo shoveling montage. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. you just you love to see it. You love <laughs> to just see a man shoveling manure for like a minute to two minutes it's just fun 
the edit job when he sees a shooting star. I mean, ter- like terrible visuals. I, I don't know if it's on a green screen or some kind of like digital replacement, but Michael's on a horse and he's like on the phone and this like shooting star goes past him. It just, it just looks awful in the best way. I mean that in the best way. For how corny this movie is in a lot of places, I think that there are some really strong themes in here and some situations that I really related to. I grew up in a very rural community and a lot of the people I grew up around were construction, our teamsters, all of this like manual labor type stuff. And there can be this like false sense of masculinity that is associated with manual labor. And so Michael is threatened by this the other ranch hands and Tommy, like he feels his own masculinity being threatened, but that is a false threat. And I like Twister. Kyle, you said you wish you had more time with him and I do too, but he had one of my favorite scenes in the movie when Michael's putting up the fence and he's like, I'm done with this. I'm done with this torture. Like you guys are better at farmers. Like you win. And Twister's like, it's not about being a good farmer or a cowboy. It's about not giving a, crap about anything and you've never cared about anyone in your life and like that's what being a man is about or what being a cowboy is about Mm -hmm. like it's about caring about people and so like that really resonated with me personally uh there's some issues with like the property laws and like the real estate deals that go on i I, they just like figured hey no one's gonna know we can say whatever we want if they want to research this, it's like what you said. They're going to watch this on TV one time and that's it. But now we're here dissecting it because we can rewatch it over and over again. <laughs> I just don't get why the family doesn't sell the ranch themselves. Like, right. Why does it? I don't know. I'm not an expert in property law, but it seems like them living on the ranch and not owning the ranch seemed like a raw deal for them. But um, we don't know how much of the mortgage was owed on the property and all that stuff. So, I mean, we could we could get into a whole conversation about foreclosures and the housing environment, the housing market of this, this community here. But uh, I'm going with Horse Sense, Kyle. I thought it was a fun Whoa. watch. Smart House. I was the opposite. I, I remember enjoying Smart House, but did not enjoy it as much Whoa. in my recent viewing. So I'm going with Horse Sense. I'm throwing it to Elizabeth for the tiebreak. So Smart House for me, we see so much of Ryan Merriman in every in, throughout the decom. We, we're, we're about to talk about him next. I mean, there's just we we have just grown up with Ryan Merriman. I, at least I feel like I did. Um, I love Smart House. I think I was that age, maybe a little bit y- younger than them. I thought they were so cool. The they had like Spice Girls playing on their walls. I thought that was awesome. The Kyle mentioned the um, the storm scene. That's all I can think about when I think about Smart House is how terrified I was at some point during my viewing of it as a child. Um, even now, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch Smart House. Like, I'll probably be scared before I go to sleep. Can um, I interject with a question about that scene? Mm-hmm. The Pat starts singing the lullaby. And I, I don't know, I guess I didn't really understand how or why she was like in a tornado also singing a lullaby at the same time. 
I think because she was trying to be, like, the mom for him. And so that's where, like, her... When she started to be, like, feel feelings and stuff and become, like, less of a computer. So then I think when the tornado happened, she was, like, dealing with all those feelings and that was what got her there and then it, like, just all combusted. Mm-hmm. I, so I, that's what I think. But in Horse Sense, I love Horse Sense. I told Kyle, watching Horse Sense as a kid, all I wanted to do was go live mm-hmm. on a ranch in Montana. Mm-hmm. Just the Lawrence brothers, also a huge part of my childhood. All of them. Um, <laughs> there's a, a scene at the beginning when when Joey Lawrence first comes to Montana and you see a quick little snippet of Matthew Lawrence tips his cap to him. Yep. Just a really, really great... Um, we do get all three brothers in another movie, but um, this is so hard. Um, I think you know what? I think I'm gonna move on, move on. Horse sense. Oh, just because you know what we get. There's a lot of. I think we'll see Ryan Merriman some some other times here, <laughs> but I think I can't get over that house. The terrifying smart house was for being having like chris said such a great message and kind of a really great kids movie for it to go such a dark dark direction at the end was just just a little too much to get over i think for me so all right let's move on to the number five seed brink versus number 12 luck of the irish kyle a lot about luck of the irish does not work for me Particularly the idea that it's about heritage and I guess the fact that the character finding his heritage isn't what doesn't work. It's that like his Irishness is something that he feels like is a weakness for him or that he could be discriminated against because he has Irish Irish heritage. Yeah. I mean, the Irish people, certainly this movie references that. Mm-hmm. underwent their fair share of discrimination in this country. But as we How? enter the 2000s... <laughs> and his his best friend is a black guy, and he's like, but, but I'm Irish. And, <laughs> and the girl he's interested in is a native person. Yes. So um, the opening narration is like, there's something we all have in common that brings us all together, and that's that we all have a heritage. We all come from somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, huh. <laughs> that's, I want to say that that's not something that brings us together. If anything, that's what doesn't bring us together right now. <laughs> Can we talk about like how much like the stereotypes of like Irish people were exaggerated throughout this entire movie and like the comic sense, like, like, of course my mom's a leprechaun because she's Irish and like of course I go to this celebration and they're doing like the river dance and of course we're doing you know like every little thing and it like I I don't know and even like the the leprechaun dude was very like much a caricature you know like when he transformed into like his true self was I yeah. don't know it was very the grandpa or the villain the villain the grandpa is named Riley O'Reilly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he sits on the basketball hoop during the game and just yes. like yells leprechaun one-liners mm-hmm. to people and throws gold coins at them while the game is going on. So if that's not a stereotype for being Irish, I do not know what is. 
Yep. <laughs> um, Kyle, you know I'm a sucker for a good Celtic-themed anything. Oh, we've learned. So the <laughs> music and just, like, the general vibe and aesthetic for a lot of this stuff, it was really working for me. I, I got some enjoyment out of the scene where they do, like, the head-to-head tournament battle stuff. I was like, ah, oh, this, is, this is cool. I feel like I'm in the world of Brave. This is good stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what does this movie do at the end? It ends it in the most Disney way possible by ending with everyone in the auditorium singing an America song. In this yes. case, this land is your land. And it's just Ugh. like, my goodness. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is unfortunate that I'm watching this right now. And yes. just, I'm just, I mean, I wouldn't call this movie problematic. It's just an eye roll. It is just a massive mm-hmm. eye roll. Mm-hmm. Brink is just... That's a special movie. That is a special movie, and I know I said I do not get nostalgic for stuff. Obviously, I had not seen Brink until a couple of months ago, but the thing I am nostalgic for is the skater attitude, that like defiance of authority and like using your space as a way to rebel against authority, skating on it. Spatial reappropriation, if you will. Right. And sure. just the youths being into physical activities, going out and doing actual things, not sitting on side on TikTok or Instagram reels or whatever. I loved the conflict in Brink. It really reminds me of one of my favorite video games of all time, Tony Hawk's Underground, where you have this kid who grows up, he's a great skater, and there's the temptation to follow the money. And he follows the money. He flies mm-hmm. too close to the sun. Mm-hmm. He ends up getting bounced by the team. He's lost his friends. He has nothing. And he has to, you know, get his friends back, all that stuff. It's just, it's so good. And here's the difference generationally between the conflict in Brink and things now and why a movie like Brink could never happen. It's because the idea of the sellout is no longer a thing. In Brink, when he's sitting at the bedside of Gabriella and she says to him, she's like, she, she hits him with the S word explicitly. She says, you're just another sellout. And Brink just sits there. He doesn't say anything. And the scene fades out. Like there is no reaction to that. And so like it hangs on that word sellout. And it just makes me think like if this movie happened today, and kids are like, oh, yo, I got a sponsorship. Like, I'm an Instagram influencer now. Like, I got so many followers, so many friends, so much money. Like, people be like, oh, yeah, like, go you. Like, I'm going to like go all your stuff. Yeah. Like, go for it. I don't know. It's just, I guess it's a generational thing. But I just think that that sellout idea is great. And it's rare, hard to come by these days. It was obviously my first time experiencing it. So it was very refreshing for me. Um. I could talk some more about some of the like explicit scenes in this movie that really worked for me um, because I think it's going to move on past Luck of the Irish. Uh, but officially, I am moving it past Luck of the Irish. Uh, Chris, I agree with everything about Luck of the Irish. Um, I agree that in this case, Br- Brink's moving on. You explained everything that you need to explain. I don't want to add on to any of that because I'm going to save some for the next round. Elizabeth, you cool with us moving Brink on here? For sure. Great. All right. Let's hop right across the bracket to number two, Johnny Tsunami versus number 15, Phantom of the Megaplex. Chris, I'm going to make this easy. It's Johnny Tsunami. It's Johnny Tsunami. 
Giant Tsunami for me is like quintessential decom. It's the fish out of water. But what I love what decoms do, it's not like kid goes to new school and now kid has a hard time fitting in and so now kid's sad, but then this other kid comes and takes like takes him with him. Johnny is Johnny through and through, changes his uh, private school outfit to reflect more of him. Uh, he's not afraid to kind of cross social norms within this t- snow town where some can ski and some can snowboard, but not the other. They have their own sides of the mountain. He wants to chop down that wall dividing the two groups. Like I, it's just such a like progressive movie and it's entertaining at the same time. It's one of those that like Disney does a good job of giving you a lesson that like we shouldn't have these differences shouldn't make us not like each other but put it in like the widest terms ever by like making it snowboarders versus skiers and just every like the over exaggerated like like saying bra after everything and you know like really leaning into that hawaii but he's in the snow now theme i really enjoyed his grandpa is a real one so like first let me rewind real quick how easy is it to sneak onto a military plane because (laughs) my guys just like hopped on one and found themselves in hawaii no problem no problem and then number two grandpa's a real one for being like i'm not gonna make them go back home like they want to be here we're gonna let them learn it themselves it's such a typical like go with the flow like chill hawaiian like you know this is how we're gonna do it and it it's one of those lessons in like slow down slow down and enjoy life and like enjoy what life gives you that's not what his dad was doing which is why they uprooted and moved for this job he wasn't enjoying life he was chasing the next thing so i thought that was a really great message as well because i think we can all do a little bit of that in our lives and i think now's the time that we can really reflect on it given that we literally can't go places and and, you know um Phantom of the Megaplex, like, don't get me wrong, it's a decom, it's a solid decom, but I just found that it was, it just didn't do enough for me to overtake what Johnny meant. Like, Phantom of the Megaplex was, like, one of those Halloween time shows that, like, we'd be, like, super stoked to see around Halloween time, and it gives you that kind of corny Disney vibe, like, this is, like, we're gonna watch this every Halloween. It's like, what people when people hype up like hocus pocus chris and i know that you were a big denouncer of hocus pocus it feels like that kind of hype should be applied to phantom because it's just so corny and silly that it just screams like halloween time to me um we get the uh iconic mickey rooney in this movie who is just Oh my god phenomenal he's just so great at playing such an old man and like he leaned he's because he is an old man he's forever leaned into whatever like stage of life he's in and and to circle back he was in one of the greater twilight zone episodes as well so like he's ah man he's just so great uh the big reveal you kind of see coming all the way but i think that uh it's still a solid movie and i look forward to watching it in a couple months but here johnny tsunami is moving on for me Kyle, I don't mean to open up an entirely new bracket right now, but I got a question for you. Okay. Is 
Grandpa Johnny Tsunami, the highest Disney character of all time. Yes. <laughs> by far. And by far. Yes. And we even this, have Crush. In- we even have Crush. We have the hookah-smoking caterpillar. We've got these burnout <laughs> kids in high school musical, which we can talk about next episode. <laughs> but Grandpa Johnny Tsunami is on chill. He's not just chill. He is on chill at all times. All times. Mm-hmm. He goes, Johnny Kapahala goes, oh, like, I'm going to go. Like, will I, ever, will I ever see you again? And Grandpa Johnny Tsunami's like, nah, man. By the way, you got to come back for this. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like every time he says something, it's like he's about to start cracking up laughing. And you're just right. like, whew, this dude is living. You mentioned the division of the mountain. That is a very real thing that happened in ski resorts around the world when snowboarding was invented. Snowboarding not allowed, skiers only, that kind of stuff. That is very real. The thing that I don't buy about Johnny Tsunami, A, that living out your life on a beachfront property in Hawaii is somehow being a failure, and two, a world-class youth surfer from Hawaii moving to the East Coast and people making fun of him for it. Yes. I just... I would I would interject that with, have you met any private school teams? <laughs> well, that was what I was going to ask you because I'm a West Coast kid, so I'm just like, I assume everyone's... Everyone thinks, like, surfing's cool. I think that, like, a private school kid from New England would think whatever they're doing is the coolest. And... <sighs> I, I I can see it. I can see it. Just like the little jabs, the bully jabs that they make at him feel very weak. It's like they make a joke about him surfing down a volcano or snowboarding down a volcano. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, like volcanoes are good cool. <laughs> yeah, good one, dude. All right. Uh, Kyle, you are underselling Phantom of the Megaplex. I mean, so much. This movie is not just an enjoyable watch. This is a nonstop entertaining watch. This is scene after scene of decom goodness. And this is another one where like I went on a journey with this movie and I started watching it and it was one of the first ones I watched cuz so I didn't really understand the like early decom schlock that was necessary for it to be good. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, these actors are so bad. Like this kid, Pete, every time he <laughs> said a line, he would do this thing that was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like a little laugh. I was like, dude, shut up. <laughs> also, the idea that like working as a movie theater usher is like this dream scenario for like a kid watching a decom. You have like, oh, motocross star surfing star movie ticket usher it's like (laughs) not to discredit anyone who works in that industry and i'm sure there are kids out there who grow up and they go i want to work at the movies one day sure but just like Mm -hmm. up against the backdrop of all these other disney movies it feels a little bit out of place i will say that pete would probably win our best mighty ducks bracket for his work cleaning up the gumballs after they uh, spilled out of the dispenser there. 
My boy my was man. My, my boy was, was wrist shotting some gumballs right into that trash can. You want to talk about legendary decom scenes? This is numero uno. <laughs> <laughs> the gumballs spill out the machine, and Pete goes, "Oh no! How are we going to clean up the gumballs? Let me get a broom. No, let me get a hockey stick." And slap shot all of the gumballs into a trash can. That is hands down the most efficient way to do this job. <laughs> I was in stitches when this guy was doing this. And the movie does not stop there. You've got him trying to unplug a giant fan that is literally blowing fools out of the movie theater. So ridiculous. I mean, mm. that is the pinnacle of acting when he's sitting there like, <laughs> yeah, I tried to. <laughs> there's the like there's like grandmas running out of the movie theater and they're like oh no <laughs> so ridiculous oh my gosh so there came a point in phantom of the megaplex when i started hate watching it and i was like <laughs> i want this movie to get as weird as possible this was after the hockey scene i was like okay mm-hmm. now i know how to watch this movie so mm-hmm. they see the phantom of the megaplex for the first time and they follow yep. him down into his phantom lair and at this point, all we really know is that there's a dead dad. And I'm right. like, what if? Could it? Could it be? What if the dad abandoned his family to become the Phantom of the Megaplex? <laughs> and these kids are about to meet their father for the first time. I was like, please, please let that happen. So they go down in there. And who pops out around the corner? It's the movie Mason, Mickey Rooney. I'm like, dang mm-hmm. it. Not the dead dad. And then I was like, well, hang on. Wait a minute. What if Mickey Rooney, what if the movie Mason is their biological father? That would be ridiculous. There is nothing in the movie that dispels that idea. (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. In my DCOM universe, movie Mason is the father of those children. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I'm your dad, kids. <laughs> also, what is a what is a cinema sitter? Is that a, has that ever been a thing? I've never. I don't they, think so. They made that up for that specific movie. I was very engaged in this movie, Kyle. I am advancing Phantom of the Megaplex oh with the upset over at number two gosh. Johnny Tsunami. So Elizabeth, wow. you are going to get oh. the tiebreaker. Whew. Well, while I do love Phantom of the Megaplex and. Pete went on to be um, Oliver Trask in the OC. Um, just a terrible, terrible, awful, awful character in the OC. Um, I, I mean, Johnny Tsunami is just a classic, classic decom. It fits all the the story of a decom. Um, like you guys were saying, Grandpa Johnny Tsunami is amazing. Xenon is also in Johnny Tsunami. Yeah. Um, I just I think it's really hard for for Johnny Tsunami to to get beat in the first round. It is just such a classic. When you think of decoms, Johnny Tsunami is one of the ones you think of. So I'm moving Johnny Tsunami on. All right, that takes us to the number seven seed Camp Rock versus number ten Cheetah Girls. Now I was a Jonas Brothers hater when I was in like middle school, high school, and I was like. I don't want to listen to their music. They seem like they're stupid. I want to punch their face. (laughs) 
I have since learned the error of my ways, and <laughs> I am a huge Joe Bros fan, particularly <laughs> a Nick Jonas fan. Yeah. And so I had never seen Camp Rock at all. Yeah, neither did and I. I was I was extremely excited to watch this movie. I was like, yes, <laughs> the Jonas Brothers movie I never saw. I get to see it. Bring it on. And this movie was a letdown for me. This movie felt like Aladdin meets Mean Girls <laughs> in that the main character, Mitchie, Demi Lovato, great, great in this movie, by the way. And I am yeah. also a huge Demi Lovato fan. But, like, she's this big phony. She's this mm-hmm. complete fraud. Meanwhile, Joe Jonas is also, like, a jerk and a fraud. Yep. And, like, the villain blonde girl is, like, mean. And it's like, who, who, who am do I, I want to like here? Who yeah. am mm-hmm. I supposed to be liking here? You got Mitchie. You got Sonny Gray. They're singing duets. They don't really have any kind of substance to them. One of the best things about High School Musical is all of these songs lend themselves to the characters, and this is just like empty music. I didn't understand yeah. if it was if this was a camp rock or a band camp because there was like trumpets at one point and like stringed instruments. They um, they just mm-hmm. wanted to put on another musical decom and hope that it hit. And they're like, what if it was like summer camp and everyone just like sang there? Yes, yes. It felt very manufactured to me. Very, yes. very lemonade mouth. They were trying to take advantage of the Jonas Brothers' popularity at that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one big continuity error that I loved was when Allison Stoner and Demi Lovato were blowing up the balloons, and you had all the balloons behind them that were like helium balloons. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, why are they blowing up balloons that are with their mouths? And like, just the small things. Um, <laughs> Cheetah Girls. Uh, this is a movie I I saw out of the corner of my eye, kind of. I wasn't really paying attention to it, um, and I remember just really not liking it at all. Hmm. Um, this yeah. the the moments I remembered was like when they were doing the songs mostly. So it was like yeah. them in the record studio and them in like the post talent show routine. And I was like, this is so cringe and not in a good way. Um, so. You know, when I got this bracket, I was like, oh, I'm going to love Camp Rock. And I did not like Cheetah Girls at all. So this is going to be easy for me. But I went back and I rewatched Cheetah Girls closely. And I stand by the idea that the songs in this movie are trash and completely <laughs> meaningless. But the story and the characters are great in this movie. Yes. Uh, first of all, Kid Salsa. This movie needed some more Kid Salsa in it because... <laughs> <laughs> This dude is like six years, seven years old. I don't know. He might be more like 10. I don't know. They're about to like get in with a major record producer. And this little kid, Kid Salsa, is like, my name's Kid Salsa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was so sad. We never saw him for the rest of the movie. It was ridiculous. We need more of him. Instead, we got a bunch of poodle dancing around. And I was like, yeah, God. Um, The setup is really good in this movie. This seems like it's a movie, and this is what I missed the first time. It seems like it's a movie about, like, uh, music and just, like, girls becoming pop stars and fighting the record label. But this is about something that a lot of DCOMs are about, and that is just your parents jamming you up. (laughs) (laughs) And the setup of this movie is so much about that, and 
you know, dealing with different types of parents and like everyone having difficulties in their own homes. I love seeing the things that all of these girls are going through in their personal lives. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it hits a particularly great note for me when you get to Dorinda's foster home. Yes. Uh, and you get the scene yeah. with her confessing to what her background is. So yes. good. So strong. We get a little 2000s fad. A stand-up comedian guy has a silk Chinese shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally forgot about those until I watched the movie. I was like, <laughs> dude, I used to have one of those shirts. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, the the music is just not very good for me. All Around the World, which is like the song they were supposed to record, I was like, that's a, that's a good song. I would listen to that song. Toto getting stuck in the hole at the end of the movie is pretty goofy to me, and them like singing him out is just a little, yeah, it's a little bizarre. But at the same time, very decom, very decom way to end the movie. Um, ultimately, f- just for the sake of all the character stuff, I'm going Cheetah Girls here over the sadly disappointing Camp Rock. Yeah, Camp Rock was awful. I'm sorry, but that movie was just hot trash. I could not so bad. It. I I was like so stoked because. I remember when it had come out and people were like stoked on it. Um, I worked at a theater camp in high school and like the, the kids that were in my like groups were all about camp rock. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of it. Um, I wasn't, I didn't hate the Joe bros, but I didn't listen to them and I didn't know who Demi was. So watching this, I was like, okay, so maybe it was like, Maybe these kids were onto something. It's going to be good. It was so bad. It was just like there's cor- like decom corny and then there's like camp rock corny and where it's just like these situations that aren't leading anywhere and like every night ends with like this jam and it was just a way to get more songs into this. Like we were just reliving the same day over and over again. And I was like, well, I'm done with these days and I'm tired of like not having someone to root for except for Allison Stoner and like her <laughs> producing career. Like that's all I wanted. And we didn't get that. She was dropping some freaking heat during that talent show before uh what's her name? TJ or whatever whatever her name is, the mean girl uh broke it up because she yelled something in the crowd, yelled fire or whatever. So Chris, I'm with you. Uh I'm moving Cheetah Girls on. I'll talk about it more next round. Elizabeth, uh any experience with Camp Rock when it first came out? Or any hard feelings that it's leaving our bracket? No, I agree with you guys. I think Disney would just high school musical was just so successful and they just tried to replicate that in as many DCOMs as possible. Um, especially with like already rising stars and the Jonas Brothers and, and Demi is like a recipe for success, but I agree. It it just fell so flat of what it what it could be. Yeah, which is super unfortunate. So let's move on to this next matchup. It is the number three Descendants versus number fourteen Teen Beach movie. Hadn't seen either of these, Chris. These are fairly new movies, and I hadn't seen any of them. I I knew about the hype around Descendants. I don't really remember a whole lot of hype around Teen Beach movie. Descendants. Uh, it's about literally the children of Disney villains, which I think is such a clever concept. And I was super excited to like watch this movie because of that. You know, I wanted to see like w- how they portrayed these kids. Would these kids have the same kind of character traits that their parents did? I loved that it was all, it was like a new take on these Disney villains. Like you had like a black Corella and like, you know, it, 
wasn't what you thought these characters would be. And I appreciated that because we don't, you know, Disney does such a, a good job of making its money on like these classic marketing material characters like the villains. It was cool to see them in a different way than like what we see them in these different materials that we see all the time. This is like one where I didn't need it to be a musical. I I think I really, really, really enjoyed the plot line. I really enjoyed the kid characters a lot. I really enjoyed the fish out of water as a group and them not just like immediately adhering to like this new world. Like we knew it was going to happen, right? We knew that they were eventually going to be like, we're all, we all have similarities. This is all going to be the same, but still they're pulling this like villain trickery on people throughout the entire movie. And even to the end, you know, I really, really enjoyed that a lot. Um, they try to go a little hard on the CGI. Didn't really work out for them. Uh, it's a fairly recent movie, but the CGI is still slightly laughable. But overall, Chris, I thought this was a super solid movie. I just wish that there weren't the musical numbers. It was too much of like forcing EDM on us because it was like oh, the biggest my goodness. craze, you know? How about that? How, how about that first number? Rotten to the core. I almost, I was like, if this is what this whole movie is going to be, I'm not going to be able to last through it. I the, wish I was recording myself. My jaw was like yeah. down there. I was like, are they, are they for real right now? Like what? I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Maleficent's song I think is great. I really oh enjoyed that one. Oh my goodness. So I good. really, really enjoyed that one. That one felt classic. Like, I mean. Kristen Chenoweth is like a Broadway star, so like it yeah. felt very naturally Broadway. Um, but yeah, so I really like that song. I did not need any of the rest. I definitely did not need an acapella version of VR Guest just slammed in there. That terrified me. That I honestly was like, I know there's like ten of these Descendants movies, and if this is just like a little tester for like what's gonna happen next i don't want to keep watching these no, descendants too they just join the acapella class and it's just glee <laughs> it's just glee descendants <laughs> um other side number 14 teen beach movie ladies and gentlemen i have found my new favorite decom Teen Let's Beach go. movie is Let's such go. a good go. decom, boy. Oh my yes. God, is it good? That is such a good movie. Put I, that from be- on Broadway right from now. From beginning to end, dude, it's so good. Oh my gosh, it like I can't even do it justice by explaining it. But essentially, this kid and his, the girl that he likes and she likes him. She has to move away out from Hawaii. Sounds familiar. And uh, she wants to go ride one more big wave. Storm happens. Guy tries to save her. Uh, they both end up getting crushed by a wave. And they're transported into that kid's favorite movie, Wet Side Story, which is a story about surfers and bikers. And it's the sharks and the jets. And two of them fall in love. And it's that whole thing. Except now they're in the movie. Except they know they're in the movie. They don't want to be in the movie. They make it very obvious that they don't want to be in the movie. And the movie just accelerates everything. And it and it just, it's so funny and so self-aware of how 
ridiculous movies like High School Musical are that if you took somebody from the real world, which are our two protagonists, and put them into one, it would be so disassociated. Like, people would just n- hate it. And they did. And it was it was so good, Chris. The music was fantastic. I finally learned where the hell Jordan Fisher came from. That kid has been on, like, everything. And I'm like, why is this kid associated with every Disney Park special? Why is he on the Moana B-side? Why is he relevant? <laughs> now I see. He's, like, a Disney Channel star. And he was very good in this one. I I just, I could rave on and on about Teen Beach Movie, guys. Like, this, uh, oh, it's just so good. One of, um, a little fun fact for me is that Brady, who's our main character, the guy, his the actor's name is Ross. His siblings are named Rocky, Rydell, Riker, and Ryland. So, you know, he just a bunch of R's in that in that clan. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. I really enjoyed this movie, not only because I thought it was so well done, self-aware, entertaining, but they also, until the very end, which I had a little qualm with, they were so, like, uh, women power heavy in a way that, like, was, it made, like, it made sense. She, like, she didn't need to be saved, and she made it very obvious. They sing a whole song about, like, gender roles and stereotypes in relationships and how those shouldn't exist. Um, they lean into the corniness at the end when um, Leela, uh, the the main biker girl who they're trying to get to fall in love with the surfer guy, um, she says, girls can do anything boys do because she dismantles the, the bad guy's weather machine at the end. They obviously didn't need to say that because we had been learning that this entire time and they sang songs about it. But to really just lean into that, like, we're going to, like, this movie is so corny, the movie that our characters are living in, that we have to shout the message at you, you know? It was just kind of played into that for me. This movie is just so well done. It is slept on. We need to be talking about it more. Chris, Teen Beach Movies moving on. Man, I was so nervous going into this bracket that, like, both of you would have been huge Descendants fans and that, like, I was a crazy person for not for like being obsessed with teen beach movie but it was so i agree it was incredible more than anything it was just refreshing for me to watch like up against all of these decoms that seem like they have a formula to them seeing this one just so blatantly like break the formula i thought was just like i had a smile on my face the whole time and i was like oh my god and you talked about how camp rock feels a little bit manufactured i feel the same way about the descendants the Descendants hmm. is, uh, I really, really enjoy The Descendants. Uh, like you said, the music wasn't great, but I, I didn't hate it. It was just really not good. Uh, you put it in Descendants against a lot of these movies on here, I would probably advance Descendants. But yeah. um, I, I think it would work better as a series. I think it would be cool if it was like a Riverdale-type situation. Um, I'm with you. It just seemed like... It took them so long to set up the characters in the situation. I was like, I need more. I need more time for this. Like, I I need like ten episodes to, to, to like enjoy this to its fullest. It's a great idea. Some things that I thought were interesting. Jay Jafar's son mm-hmm. seems more like Aladdin to me yes. than Jafar. Yes, I thought, thought that, that was, was really too. weird. I propped. 
um, Cheetah Girls for being like a, a parents jamming you up movie. Descendants, absolutely a parents jamming you up movie. So for yeah. how manufactured and seemingly high budget this production is, it's still got those those basic decom morals and and themes and formulas in there so i appreciate just the way that it's able to hand those in a slightly more complex way than we're used to ultimately teen beach movie feels like it's someone's idea that they've had for like their entire life and they got to make it 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 like finally got put on it honestly feels like something someone would have wrote for summer camp honestly i think i did write something a lot like this for summer camp (laughs) in 2014 (laughs) very very bill and ted Um, totally Mm -hmm. oh my gosh i i there's definitely a second movie i don't know if there's a third movie but i can't wait to get into those so i also am advancing (laughs) teen beach movie elizabeth thoughts on this matchup I agree with you guys. When I first saw the bracket, I texted Kyle, Descendants is ranked way too high. Um, I didn't really like Descendants. I liked the idea of it, and I think I agree with you. It probably would have been better as a series and with less songs. Um, I feel like they wasted Kristen Chenoweth in that movie. Like, she had one song, and it wasn't that much, and she's too good for that. Like, you need more of her. It was a good Um, kit. It was a really good kit for them, honestly. mm Mm-hmm. Teen Beach movie was I think I just I think I passed passed the buck on Descendants if I was like if that had come out when I was prime decom age I think I maybe would feel differently about it because I know I have a lot of uh, little cousins and stuff that love those and are super into them but um, Teen Beach movie was great it was so fun it was so dumb like it was perfect everything you guys said it was the last real Disney show I remember watching had that kid in it um before I got really like I didn't have cable anymore and I didn't watch any Disney shows anymore and I thought he was hilarious and great so I am excited to watch the next Teen Beach movies as well all right that takes us finally to our last matchup of this round it is the number six seed Halloween Town versus number 11 under wraps under wraps worried about this one under wraps (laughs) under wraps is the first ever official decom yep so disney had released plenty of movies prior to the like official disney channel original movie branding so if there are some movies that like we may have clearly missed it might have been before 1998 or 1997 when under wraps came out Um, but under wraps is the first one officially under this brand but it's not on disney plus and I would love to know why. I had yeah. to track down this movie. I bought it. I paid $6 for this movie Ooh. because I had faith, Kyle, in yeah. Under Wraps. Uh-huh. I was like, it's going to be great. It's going to uh-huh. be good. What what could go wrong? And this really felt like their first try. <laughs> it really, really <laughs> did. It honestly feels really off brand it feels like a nickelodeon thing it Mm. feels like a episode of goosebumps or maybe are you afraid of the dark where there's a lot of like kind of uh gross out kind of more raunchy humor to it there's not a whole lot in terms of like character or family development which is like hallmark for all of these decoms it's just kind of like a, a wacky monster adventure it feels a lot like maybe Encino Man or E.T. or Stranger Things, something like mm. that. That's just like rebranded for children. 
Um, so it didn't feel very decom for me. It's got so much of that fish out of water stuff that's very safe humor for family entertainment. Probably the best part of the movie for me is when they're riding their bikes down the street and Gilbert has the pajamas and Amy's like, I sleep in the nude. And it cuts to Gilbert and he runs into a mailbox. Yes. It's not, <laughs> it's not so much that he runs into the mailbox. It's just the way that that is shot. It's like right. he goes like way out of his way. And like the actor is clearly like a, trying to run into the mailbox. Where mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. Today, they would have executed that in a completely different way, but I thought that made me laugh out loud. And I was like, oh my God, that was so funny. Um, Y'all know my feelings on Hocus Pocus. I think Hocus Pocus is trash. And I think Halloween Town is also trash. (laughs) This is a story about a family of witches. The grandmother witch is a proud witch. The mother witch is a witch, but not proud to be one. And the daughter which really wants to be a witch most of the value for this movie is just from the idea that they're exploring halloween town it's kind of cool to be in this like 365 days a year halloween all the time monsters and ghosts walking around like i understand the appeal like that to me is semi-interesting it just feels very very boring to me and that's really all I have to say about it. Uh, under wraps, didn't love it, but I was more engaged than Halloween Town, so I'm going under wraps. It's funny that you say that under wraps felt like a Nickelodeon show because the guy that played the mummy is the voice of Patrick Starr in SpongeBob. I was gonna look that up because wow. I'm like, that guy sounds like Patrick. Yep, he. Yep, exactly. So, uh, under wraps has. Another kind of weird nostalgia feeling like Phantom Megaplex did for me where like I remember that movie uh, definitely not when it premiered, but like them re-showing it every Halloween as part of their kind of like lineup. And it, I just, the novelty in it, I remember renting it from Blockbuster, in fact, and like being stoked that like you could watch these Disney Channel movies on VHS you're right. It does feel very much like their first attempt. It's very much like they're, it got greenlit and they're like, we're just going to do this as we go. And I think that's kind of charming about the movie. But when you're putting it up against something like Halloween Town, which does at least transport you into another realm, uh, part of the the lore of Halloween Town is exploring the town and the, the different kind of references and uh easter eggs if you could call it that's fantastic the reveal at the end is always a fun one for people who watch it the first time even though you can like kind of see it coming from very far so for that reason chris for the pure exploration of this new universe which is really just within ours apparently you just need a magic school bus to get there I'm moving Halloween Town on, which means to end this episode, Elizabeth, you're going to pick the winner. So I did not rewatch Under Wraps, but I remember being terrified when I watched it as a child. Um, the mummy's a scary dude. And I could also be confusing it with Don't Look Under the Bed, another decom, another terrifying decom. Um, I agree with Chris. I don't like Hocus Pocus. I also I don't think it's a good movie, but. Halloween Town is great. 
I there's like three Halloween towns. The I don't think the first one is necessarily the best one, but I um Debbie Reynolds, great. Um the the conflict with the mom and the grandma and the daughter, very Johnny tsunami tsunami like that whole thing. The characters were great. Um the like her having her love interest for the first time and that just like totally backfiring was just a really mm-hmm. interesting uh kind of message to young girls but maybe we can talk more about that in the next episode because i'm going to move halloween down on to the next round and there you have it everybody we have made our way through that first round of 16 it took a lot of getting through but i think it was worth it we have set up for the next episode high school musical versus cadet kelly that's the number one versus the number eight seed we have number 13 horse sense versus number five brink on the other side of the bracket we've got the number two seed johnny tsunami versus the number 10 cheetah girls and to round out the final eight we have number 14 teen beach versus number six halloween town chris uh if people thought we had a lot to talk about this one i can't wait for the next episode Still a lot on the table. We got a lot to think about here. Elizabeth, thank you for helping us get through these first uh, eight matchups. Can't wait to have you on next episode to figure out who's going to be the true winner. I think if you thought you had to choose a lot of uh, winners this time, it's only going to get tougher from here. I'm ready for that challenge, I think. All right, folks, you know how to reach us. You got something to say about this episode. You got a problem with it. You want to agree with us. You can send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at mousemadnesspod. You can join our Facebook community or our Discord server, which are both linked in the description of this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next time for our 50th episode, the golden episode. But until then, surf, surf crazy. Watch, baby. Watch, baby.